Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. Today, if you're taking notes, uh, the title of my message is On Good Authority. On Good Authority. And uh, that's typically something, something that people say when they are just like, I've heard it on good authority, right? They have a good reason. Someone or something is backing the information that they got that makes it justifiable. And, um, and, and we, we, they're, like, they're trying to get us to trust them because whatever it is they're saying is not just their opinion. It comes from somewhere else. And um, all, what all this sort of makes me think of, this subject in general, is a particular hobby of mine and my wife's. Uh, we love watching crime documentaries. Anybody else a fan out there? Uh, that For those of you that are like single, that, that's really what deep love is, is instead of going out, you're just like, are you going to watch this? Do you want to watch this Netflix five-part documentary about someone crazy? And my wife is like, swoon my heart. You know what I mean? And uh, we put on the biggest, baggiest pajamas, and we hold hands while eating popcorn, and we watch things that were just like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Um, and we love it. And, and there's so many, there's so many like, crime documentaries out there, uh, but there's one that we saw not too long ago, and we've seen this one more than once. I'll just be real with you guys, okay? It got us that good. And uh, it is this documentary about this woman named uh, Lori Vallo. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, the name of it is Sins of Our Mother. And essentially, it is about um, this woman and her, her, like, a couple of her kids are sort of reflecting some people that knew her reflecting on this thing that happened. And what's crazy about this is the story, actually, the bulk of it takes place right outside where one of my best friends lives. And so when it was first coming out, he was like, you gotta like tune in and watch this thing. And I was like, you had me a crime documentary. Get the popcorn ready, babe. And, uh, and we watched this thing. And, and essentially what happens is this woman, she sort of like, uh, she, she feels like she has this connection, this special connection to God and that she really does hear from God. She hears the voice of God. And throughout the course of this documentary, essentially, she feels that God leads her, that God tells her to do some pretty out there things. And the most harsh of which is she actually feels that God tells her that she is supposed to kill her two of her kids. And she covers it up. She uh, buries them on her property. And that's just the beginning of it because she actually... Her and, uh, and this, this like, lover of hers that she ends up marrying, you guys are just going to need to watch it, okay? Um, they end up carrying a, a, killing a series of people. And all of this is because they are hearing from God. They're getting sort of a message from God. They're, they're, God is speaking to them and talking to them. And they are very confident that the uh, apocalypse is coming very soon, that it's going to be very crazy, it's going to be very insane, and that the best thing for them to do is to really get rid of certain people that are standing in the way of what God wants to happen, and this is the way that it has to go, right? And uh, if you're like my wife and I, when you're watching this, uh, it's, it's a train wreck that you can't look away from. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. This lady's crazy. These people are crazy. And I think the thing that, that really hits me as somebody who is a pastor and who teaches for a living is, and I don't know if this is lost on you guys either, is that when I watch things like this, 
it, it, it occurs to me that there are a lot of people who are outside of faith or, or who have left faith or who don't want any part of church or religion because this is sort of the way they view anyone who believes in God. That these people are crazy, that they're dangerous, that at any point in time they could do something nuts because on good authority, right, they believe that God has told them something special and that they have this connection and that they have to do what God is saying and, and because of it, it feels scary. It feels dangerous. It feels like these people are unpredictable at any point in time, could pull everything in on themselves. And that's sort of frightening, that somebody feels compelled to do virtually anything because God told them to. And, I mean, if God tells you to do something, you really can't argue with that. I mean, it's God. And that can feel pretty intense. And here's what is really insane is that there's a lot of stories like this out there really unsettling stories. And a lot of them aren't this extreme, um, but you have probably heard some subtle variation of someone doing something that they said that God told them to do, right? Maybe it was like a, a pastor that God told them to raise money for a personal private jet that they needed everyone to contribute to, right? Or a, uh, a parent who, you know, told their kids that God told them that they're not supposed to get their ears pierced because if they do so, they will align themselves with the devil and all of his demons. And who knows what will happen from that cartilage piercing uh, to the depths of their soul, right? Or maybe like a politician that uh, people felt like God told them was God's person for this particular role, even though that person may not even really demonstrate, at least in the way they live, a lot of Christian values and standards. And I think a lot of us have encountered these sorts of moments. And many of us wonder when we hear people say things like, well, God told me I have to do it, is like, did God really tell these people these things? I mean, are these people crazy? Or maybe it's like that they're just claiming that whatever they want to do is God's idea. Because if that's what you do, then, you know, you don't have to be responsible for what you do. Because it wasn't your idea. It's, it's not really your opinion. It's not what you want. You're just following orders, right? It's God's responsibility because he was the one who told you. And to make this even more complicated is for those of us that have grown up in church or around Christians all of our life, uh, you've heard people say stuff like this. People that maybe you didn't think were crazy. People that you thought were sort of normal people, or at least they seem like it on the surface, and they would say all sorts of things in this vein, like, God told me, or, and there are so many variations of this, like, God really spoke to me. The Lord impressed on my heart, right? I felt led by the Lord to do whatever. Or this is my favorite, God told me to tell you. It's never something positive, by the way, right? God told me to tell you that he hates all the decisions you're making, and you're going straight to hell, right? God told me to tell you that the two of us are supposed to be together forever. Really? Because I don't know you, and you seem creepy, and he didn't tell me about this at all. <laughs> and I'll, sometimes it just sort of feels like somebody is evoking the name of God in order just to sort of push an agenda that they know that you wouldn't side on unless they were backing it with some authority bigger and better than their own. And yet, at the same time, not all of the things that people are convinced that God has told them to do or wants them to do are self-serving. Some of these things are incredibly self-sacrificing, right? Some people feel like God told them to adopt a baby 
or to give a chunk of their savings to a nonprofit that's making a difference in the world, or to serve twice a week in a shelter, or to strap a bomb to their chest and walk into an abortion clinic. Okay, maybe not that last one is maybe not the best example. Although blowing yourself up could be self-sacrificial, right? If you didn't want to die, but you really felt like God was telling you to, that could sort of qualify for that sort of thing, which is why this topic feels very dangerous to people. And I think a lot of us would ask this question like, well, how do you know what God would tell you to do and what he wouldn't? Like, would God really tell someone to do that? And most of us would be like, okay, if we're talking about the bomb situation, probably not, because, I mean, the outcome of that is incredibly destructive. So then what about the inverse? Like, just because maybe, you know, there's something that you're doing or feel compelled to do that's good, does that mean that God is telling you to do it? Right? Like, serving twice a week at, like, a homeless shelter could be a really good thing. But just because it's a good thing, does that mean that God gave you a personal message that you're supposed to do it? Like, what if you're not doing it for selfless reasons? What if you're doing it for really selfish reasons? What if uh, during those two time slots, uh, what you're really doing is avoiding having to bump into your wife's annoying ex when he swings in to pick up the kids? And that's why you are serving in those same time slots that match up with his visits every other week. Um, is that something that God told you to do? And is it a selfless thing? Although, who knows, maybe God does want you to avoid your wife's annoying ex. Who's to say? And that's my point. There's a lot of confusion, I think, around this topic. Like, what kinds of things is God likely to tell people to do? Because apparently, when you read through Scripture, God told a lot of people in the Bible to do a lot of stuff. And a lot of that stuff is kind of weird. I don't know if you've noticed this. Uh, just to give you a few examples from the Old Testament, God supposedly told this guy named Hosea to marry a prostitute in, 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 in order to like sort of illustrate the heartbrokenness of God who feels like he is being cheated on by his people who aren't serving him exclusively, which this person actually does follow through on this thing that they feel like God told them to do. Um, in another place in Scripture, God tells uh, this, this man named Ezekiel, who we happen to name one of our sons after, um, which when you find out some things about this guy's crazy life, some of you are like, that might have been a mistake. Why did, you, why did you do that? Like one of the famous things he does, he feels like God told him to shave his head and to burn the hair in a fire that he made with his own poop. And then as it was wafting through the city uh, to tell all the people this is what God wants you to know that your worship smells like to him. Because he doesn't like the way you're living your life. Then there's the story that we all know of like God supposedly telling Abraham to bring his, his son up on this mountain and sacrifice him, to actually kill him as a sacrifice to prove his commitment to God, which he doesn't actually end up doing because God intervenes at the last moment. But when you hear that story... There is something about it that sounds eerily similar to the Vallow story. Like, think about it this way. If today we were to hear on the news the story of Abraham, who felt like God told him to take his kid up on a mountain and slit his throat and burn his body, we would be like, that guy is crazy. 
There's no way God said that. So the question that this leaves us with is, you know, does God still speak to people? And if so, how do you know that what you're hearing or receiving is a message from God? Like, is this something that is completely subjective? Is it just sort of like whatever you think it is, that's probably what it is? Or is there sort of some rules or boundaries or governing principles to how this thing works? And I think these are great questions. I think it is normal and right and healthy and good to ask these sorts of questions, and most people do. At the same time, even though most people are incredibly skeptical about people being able to speak and interact with God, survey after survey that are unfolding in our supposedly secular culture reveal that people on a consistent basis are reliably reaching out to connect with God in a real way, which is interesting. It's like we all have this built-in impulse to want to hear from God, to want to to want to connect with him, to want to seek his help and his direction, to attribute the good that we encounter in life to him. And this is why even people who are like, I'm, I don't even believe in God, still have moments where they will pray their way through chemo or will, where they will uh, call a, a, a brand new baby a blessing from God or will find themselves whispering thank you like into the atmosphere when they see a stunning sunset or a star-filled sky. It's like we almost can't help ourselves as humans. At the same time, just because you want to believe something, that God interacts with people in very real ways doesn't mean it's true. So what is real? And I think to, to begin this topic, it helps to back up and begin to um, unravel a picture that begins with our spiritual ancestors the ancient Jews. Um, there's there's a, a prayer that is, I would say, sort of the crux of Judaism. It's the single most important prayer in the entire religion, and it begins with one word, listen. It's called the Shema, and it means to hear or to heed, which I think brings up this question, like to hear or to heed what? God. And this is, this is how it goes. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It says this, Listen, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to his commands. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. And this prayer is echoed constantly. The ancient Israelites, the ancient Jewish people followed through with this. This is something that they repeat consistently, morning and evening prayers. They do actually wear it on their heads, on their wrists. They walk around. They say it with their kids at night before they tuck them in. It's virtually present everywhere, this reminder that begins with, listen. And when it comes to the Old Testament, this isn't just any verse. This is sort of the verse. It was regarded by the ancient rabbis or the spiritual teachers, including Jesus himself as the core of the law, the most important commandments, and the highest priority of humanity. And the reason that they pray this so frequently, the reason that they're echoing to themselves and to their children, listen, 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 so many times, is that they have this deep belief that God has spoken 
and is speaking. But we'll miss it if we don't commit ourselves to listen carefully and consistently to this God. And that requires us to pay attention. There was this idea that, that God was constantly speaking, and yet most people didn't know how to tune in to his voice and receive what it is he was saying. And so they remind themselves to listen. And here's what I want you to see, first and foremost, before we get into all of the different methodology that we're going to explore in this series. The heart of Scripture is love. And the heart of love is listening. And this is why it feels really powerful when someone really listens to you. Like, if, if you've had a moment where someone leaned in and they were genuinely interested and they were just taking in the things that you were saying and they were really listening, it didn't just feel like they were listening to you. You didn't just feel heard. You felt loved. And that's because listening is an act of love. And this is true with each other, but it's also true of our relationship with God. And this is why learning to hear God is the single most important thing that you will ever learn to do. And yet at the same time, it can be enormously difficult. And the reason that learning to hear God can be difficult is a couple reasons. The first of which being that God, for the most part, doesn't speak audibly the way that we do. There are examples of this, but it is not the primary method that God seems to speak. And we aren't always aware of the other methods that God speaks to humanity um, or how to recognize them, how to interpret them, how to follow them. And this is why we're going to spend five weeks unpacking what they are together and how to tune into them. And the second reason I think it's difficult to learn to hear God is that our lifestyles, environments, and culture are all incredibly noisy. And it just keeps getting worse. The noise in our lives is escalating. I think a lot of us are really overscheduled and overstimulated and overextended. We're living our lives on the go. We're constantly surrounded by this wall of sound. We have noises that wake us up. We have noises designed to put us to sleep. We have noises that distract us and entertain us and alert us and alarm us uh, to things. And that doesn't even speak to the noise inside of our own minds, which for some of us, that's the loudest. Like this series of voices that are constantly chiming in and telling us what to do and heaping guilt or shame or confusion or frustration or anxiety upon us. There are these voices that are ramping up inside of us and the mix of various medications that we take to try and tamp it down or mute the craziness within. And while all of this is true, God tells us in Scripture that being able to hear him is not a lost cause, that it's not utterly impossible. One Old Testament prophet quotes God as saying this in Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look and listen for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now imagine God speaking this to you today because I believe that he is. If you look and listen for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And if we're honest, some of us aren't really wholeheartedly seeking. We're kind of like, I would love to hear from God. I got about five minutes, okay? Is this like a drive-through scenario? Like, how is it going? 
God, what do you want? Okay, now fast enough, I gotta do stuff, right? And we move on. And so it's not really this wholehearted search. And others of us, uh, we would say that like, I don't, I'm not perfect, right? But I do really seek and look for and listen for God, but we may not be looking and listening in the right places. And this is the question I think that we all need to wrestle with as we march through this series is like, what if God is speaking, but in a way that you're not expecting? And because of that, you don't notice. What if the main way that God intends to sort of communicate his will to you is a way that you've just assumed is not a way that God communicates whatsoever? You ever tried to like get a hold of someone? Like maybe you call them, they don't answer, so you leave a voicemail and then they don't reply. And like, like you try again and you get the voicemail again, so you don't leave a message, you just hang up. And after a while, you're just like, man, I can't believe they're ghosting me. It's really annoying. And then you see them a little bit later, and you're like, oh, I'm going to confront them. Because you're a little bit annoyed, right, that they were just blowing you off. And you go up and you're like, hey, what's the deal, okay? I left you a voicemail. I called you several times, and you never replied. Like, what's going on? And they're like, what? No, I did reply. And you're like, oh, that's weird. And you check your phone. You're like, I don't have any missed calls from you. I don't have any voicemails from you. I don't have any texts from you. And I feel like I check my DMs a normal amount once an hour, okay? And I have nothing. I have nothing from you. And they're like, oh, uh, what platforms were you checking your DMs on? And you're like, Instagram. And they're like, oh, I'm more of like a Twitter person. And you're like, oh, well, I didn't check that. Did you DM me on, on Twitter? And they're like, no, I snapped you. And you're like, there we go. I deleted Snapchat. So I don't, there's no way I would have known. And this is like what is infuriating about current communication is there's a million ways that people could try, be trying to get a hold of you. And especially for those of you that are dating, you know how infuriating this can be, right? You, you, like, you're just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I DM them, but they're either text me or call me, or maybe they hit stuff and then they do this thing. I don't even know if I have this app. And, what, and it, it becomes like nerve-wracking. And here's what's crazy. Even though you and I, like regular humans, we have so many different ways to communicate with one another, God has even more ways to communicate with us. And scripture backs this up. In fact, some of the ways that God spoke to people in the Bible um, are, are this. Like, there, he speaks through a burning bush, right, through Moses. Uh, a talking donkey, very vivid dreams, uh, writing on the wall through this giant phantom ghost hand, pillars of clouds and fire, choirs of angels, a booming voice from heaven, a gentle whisper, the rolling of dice. Some of you are like, board games? It's in there, you guys. So we're like, I feel like God has spoken to me through gambling before. That is weird that that is biblical. <laughs> Group discussions that God actually speaks through people debating about a topic and the consensus they come to. Interesting. And this is not even an exhaustive list. But the point is this, that God speaks to different people in different ways at different moments. Like not everyone is made to hear God in the same way to the same degree. And because of this, to assume that someone is less or maybe more spiritual than you because they don't experience God like you is spiritually shallow. And some of us have been ridiculed for this because we don't experience God in the one or two ways that most everyone else seems to experience God. And we feel like maybe God doesn't speak to us. And that's simply not true. The way God speaks to us has more to do with the way that he designed us, the way that he wired us, the way that he put us together, and less to do with how spiritual we actually are. 
Now, maybe you're wondering, like, okay, this is cool, and I love that list you shared, but, like, if, like, almost anything could be a, a sign or a message from God, like, how do we know if something is? Because, you know, psychiatric wards are full of people that are convinced they're hearing voices that have come from God. And so is TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and the Christian conference circuit, to be honest with you guys. And this is the reason why we need to spend some time in a series like this. Because the truth is, just because someone claims that they've heard from God doesn't mean they have. And whatever message it is that they feel like they've received, even if that person is you, it has to be filtered. But the big question is, what do we filter these messages that we think we're getting from God through? And this is a question we've been asking ever since people have claimed that they heard from God. In fact, it was a primary question that people had in the early church as Jesus dies and rises again and the early church gets off the ground with the very first disciples starting in the book of Acts, people are wondering, like, what is it that we filter what people claim is from God through? And this is why one of their pastors gives them this clarity. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, he says this, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. He's referring to the Old Testament scriptures and the stories within it. He says, now in these final days, God has spoken to us through his son. As we jump ahead to chapter 12, verse two, he says this, keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. In other words, this is the advice that these early pastors are giving the first believers. They're saying like, if you wanna know how God thinks, and how God acts, and how God sounds, the answer is this, just like Jesus. Just exactly like Jesus. So if you're wondering like, well, you know, what does God think about this issue? What did Jesus say about it? Like what would God do in this particular situation? What did Jesus do? How would God treat these kinds of people? How did Jesus treat them? How much attention would, would, you know, would God give this pet peeve subject of mine? How much did Jesus give it? And the reason this is the question is that the early Christians believed that Jesus is truth personified. So if something contradicts with Jesus, it isn't from God. And I want to just say this again because I think it's, it's essential that you grab hold of this today as a foundation for where we go this entire series. If something contradicts with Jesus, it isn't from God. Now this is an important distinction because Jesus often clarified and reinterpreted certain scriptures, theologies, and practices in surprisingly different ways than people that went before him and even some people who came after him. And he frequently used this rabbinic pattern. And it's all over the, the, the Gospels, but I'll read you an example from Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. He says this, that you have heard the law that says this. And he gives him an example of sort of the religious view or the consensus. And then he says this, but I say this. Jesus does this multiple times over and over and over again. And essentially, he's using this pattern to say, I get that there are a lot of opinions out there, a lot of perspectives, even inside of the religious tradition we're all a part of, but what I say 
is more important than anything else that has been or will be said on any subject. Now, that's a profound thing to say. It's offensive if you don't think it's true. And it is one of the primary reasons that people wanted Jesus dead. Maybe you're thinking, like, well, what gives him the right to say that? What gives Jesus the right to overturn certain Old Testament laws or disagree with previous uh, prophets? And here's why. And this may be the most important phrase in the, entire, in the entirety of the Bible. I think we underestimate how significant this statement is. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, Jesus is the authority. Like Jesus gets the final say on everything. And that means the weight Jesus gives something ought to be the weight that we give something. Like this essentially means like if Jesus talked a lot about something, we ought to talk a lot about it, whether it is comfortable or not. Like if if Jesus um, leaned into a subject in a particular way, that's how we ought to lean in to that subject. If Jesus treated something as if it was important, we ought to treat it as if it's important. And if there were certain things that Jesus didn't give a lot of attention to, we probably shouldn't get hung up on it and give a lot of attention to it, no matter how loudly our culture is screaming about it. And I get that for a lot of us. We're like, but what if there's some verses about it in the Old Testament? But what if, like, I, I, I feel really strongly about it? But what if, like, you know, I can find other Christians who agree with me? You know what Jesus would say to that? It doesn't matter. Jesus is the authority. In fact, being a Christian means filtering anything anyone attributes to God through the person of Jesus. Jesus used a a shepherding metaphor to say it this way. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And what he's saying is this, that my true followers are those that know me well enough to know how I think and how I talk and the types of things that I would and wouldn't say. And they are people that in their everyday lives would do and will do and try to do what I would do. Those are my people. One of the things that Jesus repeated almost more than anything else as he taught is this little turn of phrase, and it's over and over again. He says, they that have ears, let them hear. To to they that have ears, let them hear. It's sort of a a turn of phrase because most of you are like, well, everybody has ears. And what he's really talking about is not like physical ears, but spiritual ears. He's saying essentially like, like to those who are echoing to themselves, listen, listen, listen. To those who are focused on really hearing from God, to those who are really looking and listening, pay attention to me. Pay attention to this moment. Pay attention to my life. Pay attention to my words. Pay attention to my way. 
And the reason why Jesus echoed this so many times is that he actually believed that people could look right at him, hear what he's saying, and completely miss the meaning. And I think this still happens to us. I think that if this can happen to people being physically present with God in a human body and listening to him teach and clarify and ask questions and still walk away and hear what they wanted to hear and not what he was actually saying, I think we can do the same. Because the reality of it is, sometimes our opinions and preferences contradict Jesus. And we do not want to admit that to ourselves because to act incongruent with Jesus is to go against God. But sometimes that's exactly what we're doing. Sometimes we have elevated a particular thought or a stance or a tradition or a feeling over what Jesus actually says on the matter. Sometimes we've elevated another element of scripture above Jesus' words on the matter. Sometimes we just elevate what we want to be true over what Jesus says is true. And these are the moments that God compels us to open our eyes to and repent for. And repenting is essentially this, acknowledging that you are wrong, that God is right, and deciding to align your behavior and your belief system with his. Because not seeing things the way Jesus does is being in a fight with truth. It's being in a fight with reality. And we never win. So I want to encourage you this week, before we go any further, before we give you some tools to connect with God in deeper ways, to hear the voice of God, know that the first filter you can apply always is Jesus. If somebody tells you that they feel like they've heard from God or you think that you've heard or sensed something from God, the very first course of action is, does this thing, is it consistent with the words and way of Jesus? Because if it isn't, it isn't from God. No matter how much I wanna believe it, no matter how many other Christians support it, no matter like how culture frames it, Jesus is the authority. So to familiarize yourself more with Jesus this week, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Here's sort of the homework assignment for you, is to read through the Beatitudes, uh, which are found in the book of Matthew. It's the first 12 verses there. It's essentially the core of Jesus' belief system, what he believes that his followers are to look like, what his way, how his way is structured, what he values. I want you to read through the Beatitudes and ask God to show you one way he wants to help you think more like him. Out of that passage, just write down one phrase that speaks to you and carry it in your pocket throughout the week. Because here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna put your hand in your pocket. You're gonna reach for your keys. You're gonna fill that piece of paper. I want you to pull it out and read it and just remind yourself, like, I may not naturally think this. I may not wanna believe this, but this is what is true. This is the voice of God because God speaks loudest through his son, Jesus. And the reason I want you to do this is because the more you familiarize yourself with the voice of Jesus, the easier it is to spot a counterfeit. The more you know what Jesus sounds like, what Jesus cares about, the way Jesus talks, the way Jesus acts, 
When other people tell you that they've heard from God and you know what God actually sounds like, it'll be easy for you to say like, mm, I like you as a person, but I'm sorry. I spend too much time around the shepherd to not know when I'm hearing a counterfeit voice. That's not him. Because if it contradicts Jesus, it's not from God. And this is what I wanna pray into your life today, that you would reestablish Jesus in your own life as his follower, as the primary voice, the primary authority in all things in your life. Would you bow your heads with me across this room today? And as your eyes are closed and your heads are bowed and as you're just sort of focusing on what God might be making you aware of inside of your own heart, I wanna pray for maybe some of you specifically today. One of the very first steps in learning to connect with God and to hear from God is to actually begin an open conversation with God, to invite God to be the center of your existence. One thing we know about Jesus is that he does not go where he is not wanted. In order for us to interact with Jesus in the core of our being, we have to invite him in. And in some ways we are saying no to our ego, to our opinions, to our preferences. We're saying like, God, if it doesn't align with you, it goes out the window. We call this process saying yes to Jesus. And maybe that's something that you've never done before never opened your heart and your mind to place God at the center of it. And if that's something that you want to do today to initiate that conversation with God, uh, I want to encourage you to pray with me over these next few minutes. And in fact, I want to ask you to do something brave, first of all. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you want to pray this morning with me to say yes to Jesus, would you just slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying for this morning? I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out, make you walk up here. Um, I just want to know who I'm praying for this morning so I can direct my prayers in your vicinity. Awesome. Awesome. God, I know you see every hand that was raised. I know you see every single heart in this room. There are some of us in this moment that are opening ourselves up to your ownership, your leading, your guiding in our lives for the very first time. That we are saying, God, everything that I want is secondary to what you say is best. God, we know this is gonna be an ongoing process, but in this moment, we just open ourselves up to be led by you. God, I pray that as you come close to us, as you enter into the core of our being, that we would experience the falling away of guilt and shame, that we would experience the falling away of selfishness and self-centeredness. And God, we would experience the closeness of your spirit, leading, guiding, comforting, speaking, directing us every step of the way. God, we are grateful that whenever we open ourselves to you, that you are immediately by our side. Got to pray for every other person in this room who is wanting to connect with you and hear from you and be guided by you. And they don't know where to look. They don't know where to listen, but they're open. And God, I pray that over the course of these next few weeks, as we enter into these experiments of 
connecting with you in various different ways that our spiritual ancestors did. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in new and deep ways. And God, this particular week, as we open the Gospels and we hear you speak your way through the Beatitudes, God, I pray that you would illuminate to us the way that we think and act, the way that we believe and behave that is different than you, that you would help us to be honest about the incongruencies between us and you, and you would come in and gently help us to move forward, to adapt what is honestly true and to truly follow you. God, as we learn what you sound like, what you look like, and how you act, may the counterfeits become obvious in our orbit. May we hear your voice. May we be your sheep. May we experience the peace that you bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.